So, in this short time that we've got left, I just want to... I, it, it's wonderful that, uh, that today the actual verse where we are in Luke ties quite nicely into uh, this day, this, this, this day of Pentecost itself. So I'd like just to, um, just to share some thoughts, really. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, uh, you will know that we've been looking at Jesus as he teaches his disciples the consequences of false doctrine and of hypocrisy. And as part of this section of Jesus' teaching, uh, Jeremy, last week, very helpfully reminded us of whom we are to fear. Whom we are to fear. Not the devil and his minions, as many people do, but the only one who is able to throw any one of us into hell. And that is God. God. And in this short time we have left, I just want to uh, really read the final words of Jesus in this section and share three truths that we can learn from it. The first one is the importance to stand firm in Christ before the world. The second is to remember who has your back. Who has your back. And then third, to be aware, and I've used that word specifically, be aware of the unforgivable sin. The unforgivable sin. So if you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Luke 12. Luke 12, starting at verse 8, picking up from where Jeremy was last week. Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says this, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you would defend yourself or what you should say. Excuse me, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So importance to stand firm in Christ before the world. There, there is an ultimatum that seems to run throughout this section of te teachers, uh, teaching by Jesus that we've seen over these last few weeks. An ultimatum that is, in some respects, very black and very white. A choice between two paths. One with God and one without God. In this passage, Jesus provides another sobering reality for those who not only reject the gospel truth, but also those who know the truth, reject it, and then go on to lead others astray. To those people, Jesus says, the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. Now in this context, 
of the, or, the, or in the context of the passage that we are in, Jesus is referring to those religious leaders who were supposed to be holding the mystery of the faith preciously, but who were instead abusing it for their own gain and who rejected the Son of Man who was standing in their midst. But unfortunately, the truth is that this still happens today. Churches, pastors, teachers abusing God's word, leading people astray with their own agenda, manipulating God's word for their own gain. Unfortunately, this still happens today. The problem is that these sheep in wool's clothing give the true, genuine Christians a bad name. Gives us a bad name, which in turn makes our sharing of the gospel that bit harder. The world looks at us with contempt, with bitterness, and calls us fake, and can call us hypocrites, which in turn can create a reluctancy for us to be bold in sharing with our friends and family and our neighbours the truth of the gospel because of fear of rejection, fear of what they may say to us, fear of how we may look. And unfortunately, this can mean that we are reluctant to own up to our own Christian values and belief in the environments in which we need to share Christ in. I know this to be true of myself many, many years ago. In one of my first companies, I remember times when they used to jest about, uh, make uh, comments about church and Christian people and out of fear of them knowing I, I was one, I would go along with it. I'm sure many, uh, many people have had experiences like that but I praise God that he got hold of me in those situations. Friends, more so now than ever before, as God's people, we must remain strong in sharing the truth of Jesus' gospel, whatever the cost and whatever the consequences. Family and friends may reject us. We may get laughed at. We may get spat at. We may be called every name under the sun. But friends, do not ever deny or stay quiet about the faith, your faith before the world. Not even as a light-hearted joke, because the consequences to you and the consequences to those who you are in front of are too great. Jesus didn't come into the world and die on the cross for us to buckle, for us then to buckle under the pressure when it comes upon us. He didn't buckle when he was being beaten, when he was being flogged, when he was being mocked, and neither should we when the pressure comes upon us. We must be a people that stands firm, whatever the cost or consequence, because when we do, Jesus says, and I quote in chapter verse 8 again, I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God, before heaven. There's a promise. 
Number two, remember who has your back. Remember who has your back. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5.5, wisdom from Paul. Today is Pentecost Sunday and as we have seen, the Spirit was given as a helper to us in order to be our seal of security of salvation, to help and guide us in understanding the mysteries of God's Word and to help us to be Jesus' hands and feet in this world. There is no security guard, there is no special forces soldier, there is no superhero that can come anywhere near the power and the ability of the Holy Spirit. None. And here, Jesus gives us an example. Verse 11. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious, he says, about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Just like the disciples, whenever we find ourselves in a situation when we need to defend the faith, whenever we need to give and, uh, that, that hope and share that hope that is within us, the Holy Spirit who is in every believer and is there to help us will give us the right words to say. Now, on the one hand, that is comforting but also it's a little scary because we like to be prepared, don't we? We are a people who like to be prepared. We like to have practised the words we're going to say and rehearse them in order to be able to get it right. But Jesus is saying we won't always get that option. We won't always have that option. But he does promise that when in that situation the Holy Spirit will give us the right words to speak real time in that moment, but that will require us to be faithful and have faith that he will do so. The scary thing, isn't it? I often say faith is just a word like any other word in the Bible. What gives faith its power is when you step into it. When you step into the unknown in faith, trusting that God will see you through, Think about Peter's sermon. Do you think when Peter woke up that morning on the day of Pentecost, do you think he was about to get up and share that incredible sermon? I probably think he didn't. The Holy Spirit had fallen. And in that moment when people were, you know, complaining and that they were drunk and that prompting of the Holy Spirit to get up and give him those words that he preached, that is an example Friends, every day walk with the humble confidence that God, the Holy Spirit, is in you, wherever you are and whatever situation you find yourselves in. And he will help you to stay focused and he will help you uh, stay confident in declaring Christ in a world that is in desperate need of him. Three, be aware of the unforgivable sin. In verse 10, Jesus says, 
and everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. For the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What a remarkable and also confusing statement. A statement that has caused much debate in Christendom over many, many years. Now, unfortunately, we do not have time to really delve into this today, but I am going to give you an overview of it, and we will go back to this another time, because I think it's important to explore this at more depth, because I know people struggle with this. On the one hand, Jesus is saying that the one who hastily disrespects Jesus, i.e., the Son of Man, then humbly asks to be forgiven before God, by the grace of God, will be forgiven. That should be comforting to us. Okay? We can look at Peter as an example of this yet again. Three times Peter denied Christ. Did he not? Three times that he denied that he knew Jesus at Jesus' trial. But Jesus subsequently restored and forgave Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Galilee when three times Jesus stood before Peter and said, do you love me? That powerful story in Mark's Gospel. Do you love me? That picture of restoration. Peter had denied Jesus but he was restored by Jesus. That is why Jesus says that if you say anything wrong, you do anything wrong to the Son of Man, through repentance, you will be forgiven. But what about the blasphemy towards the Holy Spirit? What does blasphemy even mean? Well, blasphemy can mean, or is to be slanderous, to speak evil against God or the works of God. In this case, it is uh, to the Holy Spirit that one is being slanderous. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is the persistent, unrepentant uh, uh, resistance toward the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me say that again. It is the persistent, unrepentant resistance toward the work of the Holy Spirit. It not only reflects unbelief, but a determined unbelief and refusal to acknowledge God and his power at work in the earth. I like the ESV Study Bible's explanation of this. It says this, the person who persists in hardening their heart against God, against the work of the Holy Spirit and against the provision of Christ as Saviour is outside the reach of God's provision for forgiveness and salvation. An example of this is when the Pharisees witnessed Jesus delivering the demon-possessed man. You'll find the story in Matthew 12 and in Mark 3, and if you remember, we looked at this story, did we not, back in Luke 10, not that long ago. The Pharisees who knew the scriptures, who had 
been taught to watch for the signs of Messiah who had, who had God himself standing right in front of them and had witnessed irrefutable proof that Jesus was working miracles in the power of the Holy Spirit claimed instead that the Lord was possessed by a demon and accused him of performing his miracles by the power of Beelzebul, as we saw, which refers to Satan, demonic forces. Now, if I was the Holy Spirit and I was being accused of being a demon and doing Satan's work, I'd be pretty ticked off. And I'm sure you would be as well. How annoyed would you be if you did something in good conscience with honourable intentions but people around you wrongly accused you and slandered you of doing it for selfish gain? You'd be pretty annoyed. Now this brings us to a serious question, one that has haunted Christians over the years. Can I and can you fulfil as a Christian of blaspheming the Holy Spirit and thus becoming guilty of this unforgivable sin? And my answer to you this morning is no. I do not believe that a genuine Christian can fall foul to the unforgivable sin. Let me explain. A truly God-fearing, Jesus-loving person who truly believed by faith in Jesus and gives their life fully to him and receives the full indwelling of the Holy Spirit, cannot slander the Holy Spirit. They can't slander the Holy Spirit. No more than when I said a few weeks ago that God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Spirit-filled Christians cannot be possessed by a demon. The Holy Spirit would not allow a demon to take over the heart and life of a believer, would he? Of course he wouldn't. Nor will he let a genuine... God-fearing believers speak ill of him or the things of God. But for the Pharisees, and remember this is what Jesus was teaching to the disciples, he was teaching them and warning them about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, the falsehood of the Pharisees. For the Pharisees in that moment who were without excuse but committed the unforgivable sin, they will receive the consequence of doing so. Because they saw God, they saw Jesus, they saw the power of the Holy Spirit. They knew what to look for. They were, they, were, they were the religious leaders. They knew what to look for. But they still stood there and said, ha, he's doing that by the power of Satan. Blaspheming, slandering the holy power and the work of the Holy Spirit. There is no genuine God-fearing Christian who is going through being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit that is indwelling every single Christian, every one of us, that can stand there and accuse the Holy Spirit of doing something in, Satan, in Satan's name. How can we? How can we? 
Now, I'd love to delve deeper into that today, but we will come back to it. But I do not believe, I do not believe that a genuine Christian can fall foul of the unforgivable sin. Can I uh, invite the band up, please? Now, I know there may be people out there that have questions on this. I'm very happy to answer questions because I do know that people have struggled with this. But I do believe I can justify this scripturally. But I just want to give, bring some hope and some comfort to you not to fear the unforgivable sin. Because ultimately it is aimed at those who are hardening their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit, hardening their heart to the work of God, to the gospel message. It would be hypocritical for a Christian to be able to, conduct, to, to speak ill of the Holy Spirit, on the one hand knowing that we are fully indwelt by the Holy Spirit and he guides our, our thoughts, our hands, the things that we do, things we say, but even before we tried to do that, he would absolutely slap us down. On this Pentecost Sunday, this day when we remember one of the most remarkable gifts that God gave to his church, the Holy Spirit, let's remember the importance of standing firm in Christ before the world and remembering that the Holy Spirit stands with us. And let us take comfort that as a true, genuine Christian, you do not need to fear the unforgivable sin. Let us thank the Lord that he didn't come just to die on the cross and leave us to fend for ourselves. No, he came to indwell us, to be with us every moment of the day, to strengthen us, to comfort us, to inspire us, to help us as we battle through the trials of life, to lead us into the truths of God, to help us as we minister in this world and praise God to seal us as God's possession in preparation for when Jesus returns to claim his church. The moment the Holy Spirit filled you, you were sealed. You were sealed. Your promise is secure of eternal life with God. Amen, Amen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this whole teaching of Jesus as he stood with his disciples to, to warn them about the hypocrisy and the lies and the false doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day. Lord, there's a lot for us to wrestle with throughout this and I hope, Lord, that up till now we have done justice to your word. And Lord, I pray that you help us as we continue to chew in your word. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to us Lord, the Holy Spirit who secures us as a seal of promise. I promise, Lord, that you said all who would believe 
in Jesus, by faith, will be saved. Lord, we stand firm in that today. We pray for those who are struggling with that truth. We pray, Lord, that you would meet people where they are if they are struggling in this. And if people, Lord, have struggled with fear about the unforgivable sin, Lord, I pray that you minister to their hearts and help us to guide them. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that needs prayer, that needs conversation, that needs assurance, Lord, that you'll give them the confidence to come and speak to one of us. But Lord, we just commit ourselves to you this morning. We thank you for the young ones. We thank you for uh, their hearts to want to come. I mean, how amazing they answer the questions, Lord. I mean, that's how, what a blessing. We can learn so much from the youngsters. So Lord, we just commit ourselves to you this morning and we ask that you be with us as we head into this next week. In Jesus' name, amen.